The Meddlesome Meeples present Tiny Meeples Big Talk. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Tiny Meeples Big Talk. Mm. What we're going to be discussing today is another big and relevant issue, mm. and that is what are the best pets to have? from the worlds of fantasy and science fiction. Yeah, so another <laughs> very hard-hitting topic this is. So last time we were living on different spaceships, weren't yep. we? So yeah, <laughs> this is kind of a bit of an extension of that really, isn't it? Because it's all about our, the life that we would have. But this time it is not so much us going there, well, I don't think so anyway, to like live in a sci-fi environment. It's more kind of... What we could have what, now. Yeah, what and... we can have now from there, like what pets... Yeah, so you, like pets is quite a good aspect of that, isn't it? Because when you think of the the people's everyday lives when they're in these situations or living on these ships or in these castles or wherever they're living, <laughs> the pets is a big part of that. So, so we, we're going to talk about what pets we would like to have. Yeah, so I think I'll, I'll start off uh, just by saying that there were questions in my mind as to really what constituted a pet. Mm. So, because when I thought about this topic, the first thing I thought, first few things I thought was from Star Wars, the Rancor. I wonder if we're going to get to Rancors, but I thought we'd have to kind of build up to it. <laughs> you, always, you always have to build up to a Rancor, don't you? <laughs> uh, we thought about the Rancor, well, I thought about the Rancors from Star Wars. Um, and actually, deeply. and this is something I actually asked a friend as to whether or not they would consider this as a, a viable pet. Xenomorphs. I was now, going to use that as a ridiculous example if you came out with something <laughs> stupid. <laughs> well, the reason the reason that xenomorphs came to my mind, and the, and and the third example I'm going to use the thing, not the thing from the Fantastic Four, but from John Carpenter's The Thing, the yeah, alien creature. Okay. Those when I thought about different alien life forms that you could possibly have. You as could pets. already have that as a pet. You wouldn't well, know. This, well, this is it. I, I was thinking, how would I know if I lost? my pet because it could be anybody it could be anything <laughs> yeah. you know uh, but I thought there was a couple of basic rules I was going to try and follow uh-huh. uh, and the first one immediately discounted all three of those right. and that was that for it to classify as a pet I felt it had to be more likely to kill somebody else than to kill you Okay. and I thought a xenomorph well that's going to kill everybody yeah. the thing may or may not even be there uh-huh. I could be the thing and not know it yeah and a rancor will haven't got the space to keep a rancor. No, that is um, going to be the, the same issue later. But I did think you know a rancor would just kill whoever was there. Yeah, it possibly seem... if you're keeping it chained and in a pit and asking it to kill Jedi's, it's going to be pretty mad anyway. That guy was pretty upset when Luke killed it, wasn't he? I think that guy did treat it like a pet. I don't think I think Jabba considered it as a pet, but I don't think he so much cared for the rancor as that he liked seeing it chomp down on saber wielding madmen. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, no, I mean the other guy, the the guy. Who look? Who look? Oh, sorry, I thought you pit. meant Jabba. Yeah, yeah. I know, yeah I know, I know you, you well, that, Jabba yeah. is a, a few steps above that. Yeah. Really. Yeah. And then my other thought was, again, and the xenomorph could apply. To, well, any of those three could apply to this category as well. Mm-hmm. Was its level of intelligence? Because I did think, would you class R two D two as a pet? And well, I thought, well, I don't feel like I could do that because he is very independent, and he's very intelligent. Oh yeah, it's nothing Same to do with, with the fact that he's a robot. It's just the fact that he he's more of a character, isn't yeah. he, than a pet. And to us, in a, in, a, in a way, and this is a little bit ridiculous, the same could also be said for. And I didn't consider this as a viable pet, but the cat from Red Dwarf, because well, he effectively was, he well, was a cat. 
He was a he was Lister's pet. And well, Frankenstein ways... was, and then and then the cat evolved from it. So yeah. he kind of is a cat, but yeah, but he's it's not just a seems more like a guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And I mean, you don't want to have to brush his hair and feed him, do you? I mean, that's well, just going to get he difficult. looks after himself. He's so vain. Exactly. <laughs> so. He wouldn't. He probably wouldn't let anybody else go. Yeah, yeah. Not He'd with be afraid their of turning into Dwayne Dibley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, that. So I did loosely apply those. Um, Criteria. To we don't talk thoughts. about these rules beforehand. No, we we want that is one of be, the rules actually. <laughs> it, it is one of our rules. We like to um, have the debate on camera, so we yeah. get the. the uh, we think of a, we agree on a question and then we shut up about yeah. it <laughs> until we're on camera. So um, yeah, I thought about similar things to that, but not quite the same. I hadn't really thought about it, whether it would kill me or somebody else. Um, I do think that is an important thing to consider in a pet, whether it's likely to kill you or not. Yeah, well, I think if it was too likely to kill me, then it wouldn't really be a pet. Yeah. Like, I just, I think I would assume that I would have already tamed it in some way mm. beforehand anyway. But the level of intelligence thing, that was something I did yeah. think about. So, because I don't actually have any pets myself. I have had them in the past. and But I really like it when other people have pets. Mm. And it's a bit of a weird question for me because like in some ways just having an animal myself is a bit of a flight of fancy anyway <laughs> so yeah i just kind of thought theoretic obviously this is very very theoretic. <laughs> this is believe like... me when we go into my list you'll see how theoretical this is going to be <laughs> yeah, I've already seen, yeah i'm getting an idea of what your list might be like but yeah so it's a bit difficult to think for me what i would consider to be a pet or not so i just kind of thought what other people have considered a pet mm. in sci-fi and fantasy, mostly sci-fi, and then just thinking which I think are the best out of them. And yeah. yeah, I mean, when I made my list as well, I did find that I, I, I made quite a long list, so I then grouped some of them into categories. Mm -hmm. So, for example, there is three dragons on my list, which I've grouped together as effectively as one. But I mention all three when it was just the idea of having just the dragon. idea of having a dragon, yeah, as opposed to one of those specific three dragons. Yeah. Um, so, one of the dragons on my list mm -hmm. was Ancalagon the Black. Okay. Right. Now, that uh, is from um, Tolkien's work. Right. And he was the largest dragon in Middle-earth. Okay. okay. In fact, he was so big that when he fell in battle, he broke mountains. That's pretty big. Yeah, that is pretty big. I did think, where would I keep the feed? <laughs> and I wouldn't allow to have case. to clean up the mess. Yeah, that is the thing that, that puts me off pets anyway. Yeah, it's it's what put me off children before I had them. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, I was thinking of dragons. I thought of Ancalog on the Black. Um, I thought about uh, Ryath, who is one of the Valheru dragons uh, from Raymond E. Feast Rift War cycle. Right. Um, so she was a dragon that one of the characters Thomas uh, summoned to help him. Mm -hmm. uh, she was a fantastic dragon, and Sephira. Uh, from Krista Paolini's Inheritance Cycle. Right. Uh, now, may, some people may be aware of the film Aragon, which was diabolical. So Aragon was not a patch on the books, which mm -hmm. I think is why they never made a sequel to that, whereas there were several books. But Sophia, even depicted in the uh, film, was absolutely fantastic. She was a blue dragon, mm -hmm. she was telepathic, um, she had incredible powers and most dragons in science fiction are depicted as being very wise majestic creatures yeah I can see myself if I had a dragon as a pet getting advice from my dragon 
Yeah, this is one of having the a real telepathic link with my dragon. I I would consider a dragon more of a friend than a pet. Yeah. This is one of I don't have any dragons on my list. There was one that I considered, and that was oh, that guy from Neverending Story, Falcor. Right. That that's the only one that seems anything like a pet. Well, I is, did because he looks like a dog. I did think <laughs> about whether or not I should take the dragons off my list for that reason because they were so majestic and graceful but I also thought yeah, if I had a dragon Mm. and I was riding around on a dragon how good life would be I mean you wouldn't I mean think about it you get your car you park up in the wrong place because you don't read a sign you get out of the car and you got a parking ticket and the dragon just no one's going to give you a parking ticket if you've parked a dragon in a spot yeah (laughs) so do you want a pet or a car (laughs) I think a pet that I can use as transport in is is good in the sense, and yeah, okay. I could you know burn down small villages. Yeah. If I had a dragon. Okay. Yeah. Gonna <laughs> <laughs> right. have a Death Star and a lead, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> It'd have to be a pretty big lead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I definitely. I mean, I've I've always loved fancy. I've always loved dragons. So I mm. had to throw a dragon on on the my only, list. Anything of kind of that nature that I thought about was the direwolves from Game of Thrones uh, because they were actually pets yeah whereas like for Daenerys with the dragons they were pets for a while <laughs> and then they were... and then they started going off and yeah. murdering yeah and then they like <laughs> took her in the middle of nowhere and left her and stuff like that and yeah th- well were... you notice I didn't mention any of Daenerys' dragons on there well no but for you that reason, big Balerion enough flipping dragons on there, on there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah I thought the um, the direwolves would be an option the only reason I didn't choose any of them was people keep killing them for revenge when they didn't do anything and I just think <laughs> even though obviously you'd, you'd just be having them separately here mm. rather than in that kind of universe I just still think it never turns out well when people <laughs> have got a die wolf even though they're really cool and you won't want think people to accidentally think you were a Stark and, and no, you have the Lannisters send their regards <laughs> you? no no you wouldn't want that And but die wolves I like the fact that they did actually exist like in, the, in prehistoric times and it would just be nice to have one of them back, really. So you've talked about some dragons, which... Um, just to set um, the tone for yeah, the Yeah, just to set the tone. Um, so things that are actually considered pets by the characters that they have. Mm. Um, the, what's the first one that comes to mind if you think about a pet in sci-fi? What for you? It's It's got to be... Spot hasn't it? Yeah, Fate's I cat. thought of Spot at first <laughs> because that's the only. When you think of a pet in sci-fi, you think, "Oh, Data had a cat." Yeah, and it did seem like quite a nice cat, um, and it was very kind of docile, and mm. it even let Worf look after it for a while and stuff like that. <laughs> um, it seemed and it lived on the Enterprise, and it seemed to kind of get on fine, mm. there, didn't it? With like feline nutritional supplement, whatever. That Although had. it didn't get on well with Worf, it didn't get on well with him. No, but. I just—it's funny that Wolf looked after it. <laughs> yeah. Wolf was probably thinking of it as like a triple with legs. <laughs> yeah, you know, Klingons don't like triple. Yeah, <laughs> triple with them. <laughs> yeah. Triple would be a they very have triple bad with pet. tribbles. Yeah, yeah, they do. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, triple would be a terrible pet. So we've not put them on the list. I did so, think yeah. of tribbles. Yeah, did you? Because I know my wife loves tribbles, right. but I thought they're just basically little sacks of self-replicating meat, aren't they? They'd be everywhere. Yeah, you just have a house full of tribbles, <laughs> yeah. and you'd be just throwing them out and stuff. So, yeah, because like Chekhov and Uhura liked them at first, <laughs> and then but what happened? They all fell on Kirk's head. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, randomly, 
they're going to spontaneously explode. That's <laughs> that as well. <laughs> oh, the, yeah, quite a Twitter Kaylee when they eat that. Yeah. So the spot as a cat. The other cat in sci-fi is Jones. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and from Alien. So again, that was a kind of a very docile cat that seemed to be fine living in mm. space, didn't it? Didn't like a xenomorph, but then who does? And yeah, it was nice for Ripley to be able to save it and everything. But as I've I've written on my notes here, they're just cats. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you can have a cat in real life, and it's fine. They are they are they are cats from sci-fi, but. It's not like you think, oh, I wish I could live in that amazing sci-fi world so I could have a cat. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, you've got two cats anyway. So. Well, I do. And um, actually, I think this will be a good place to go into my second category because mm. I think this is one of one of the very little areas of crossover we're going to have here because I also had Jones on my list. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> I, I had a, would. I had a category of cats, so there were four cats on my list. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jones was one of them. And the reason I picked Jones was because I... I likened the idea of a, of a pet that could survive xenomorphs. Yeah. And Jones survived xenomorphs. He was only one of two survivors, wasn't he? Yeah. In Aliens. Yeah. Um, and actually, I do have a cat called Jones. Yeah. We named a cat. We, we, I've got two cats at the minute. One of them's called Jones. And if, if you noticed a, a, a jump in the um, in the recording a few minutes ago, it's because he was... But he was uh, <laughs> he was meowing very very loudly at the door, wanting to get out. So I think he was yeah. objecting at the thought of me having another pet. Yeah, <laughs> he wants yeah. to just get out and not listen to this anymore. He's already competing with another cat. So. <laughs> yeah. But jo- Jonesy was one of my um, cats. Mm-hmm. Um, another one of my cats was Grebo. Yeah, Grebo's a, a good idea from Discworld. Nanny Og's cat. Yeah, he's Nanny Og's cat. He's called Grebo by Nanny Og. He's also known as get off your bugger to most of the population of Lankra. He's the father of most of the cats in Lankra. Yeah. Uh, and he's a pretty vicious cat, isn't he? That, that's why I didn't have him on my list. I mean, but I he's like not vinish, him. vicious to Nanny Og, and that's no. the, that's my main category. Oh, yeah, that was, that was part of your That thing, was one of my it? categories. I mean, this like... is a cat that once swallowed a vampire. Yeah, <laughs> that <laughs> happened as well. And yeah. that is sort of thing that you do want in a pet and if also... you live in a place where vampires maybe a thing yeah he found a new quantum state as well didn't it when he was in that box it's yeah. like like a cat can be either alive or dead but it can also be furious yeah. <laughs> which is when Grebo came out of it <laughs> something that Schrodinger for some reason never published yeah so there was Jonesy there was Grebo um, there was Cringer I've got Cringer on my list as well I've got Cringer slash Battle Cat yeah and that's just because it's just so weird how scared he is of everything <laughs> and yet with the power of Grayskull he can turn into Battle Cat and become amazing and Battle Cat <laughs> is brilliant isn't he Battle Cat serves as He-Man's uh, mount he protects him he mm. will fight with him um, but Cringer is a Cringer he's totally afraid of everything and then yeah. as you say with the power of Eternia he he turns into this brilliant mount for He-Man. And yet when you consider where he lives and the fact that there's Skeletor and all kinds of yeah. horrors around, um, it's not all that it's not all that strange that he would be scared. Yeah. It's a bit like the um the rational lion from <laughs> <laughs> Wizard of Oz. Yeah, I think he's right to be scared of all that stuff. But he can as as Battle Cat he can fight and he is basically a big yeah. green tiger. And, and who, who would want a big green tiger? Yeah, the red saddle. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, and the helmet is really cool as well. Basically, he's yeah. the same but brave, yeah. and and with that armor. So, 
the same as He-Man. I mean, yeah. he's the same when he turns into <laughs> He-Man. He's just just ripped when he's Prince Adam. Yeah. So. My fourth cat on, on, that I had on my list was... I don't think he actually ever was given a name mm-hmm. in the book. He was referred to as the cat a lot. And that was uh, Denser's cat, his familiar, in The Chronicles of the Raven by James Barclay. Oh, right. Okay. Which was a set of books. And he was in the first book. Mm-hmm. And he was a familiar, which meant he... Um, shared part of Denser's consciousness right? Okay. Uh, and he appeared to Denser as a cat mm. but he could when he went off appear to other people as their worst nightmare they'd see like this hellish monster uh, mm. if they wanted to That'd and he, be act- useful. he acted as Denser's guard, his companion mm. uh, he acted as a scout he ferried messengers uh, he was an offensive weapon for Dancer uh, but he was just so useful he did so many different things right, yeah. um, and he'd go out and he'd, he'd take out bad guys to keep Dancer safe and then the next minute he was snuggled up inside Dancer's cloak and it was just it was just a really yeah. nice um, yeah. animal yeah so that can still be considered a pet then that's good yeah, yeah. so what was your next one um, well after I've got Spot and Jones just cats I've got Porthos just a dog <laughs> <laughs> just a cat to just a dog yeah yeah so that this is um, Archer's little cute beagle from uh, Enterprise so uh, one of the nice things about that is it it was such a cute little dog it seemed to be perpetually a puppy mm. somehow um, it is one of the cutest dogs in science fiction isn't it yeah and also he had a pretty cool end when in one of the J.J. Evans films, Scotty mentions that he lost Captain Archer's beagle trying to beam it <laughs> with his new algorithm thing. So, yeah, that, that's that's pretty cool anyway. So Cool and tragic. Yeah, it's tragic, but, you know, he, he's the only member of Enterprise to get a mention in those films. <laughs> so, yeah. Right, okay, so um, there was that, but then the next actual one that I'd got was K-9 from Doctor, Doctor Who. Who. Yeah. And the Sarah Jane adventures, isn't it? Well, he had his own series, basically, mm. didn't he, really? So, yeah, K-9, a robot dog, and obviously there's loads of advantages to that. Mm. It's cleaner. Um, it's just... <laughs> that's one of the main things that puts me off dogs, is <laughs> having to clean up after them and stuff. But, yeah, K-9, and he is intelligent as well, so I'm not sure how he would fit in on our list of, mm. of pets because of him being a bit more intelligent that way. Yeah, I think K-9 is allowed. I, I did... K-9 crossed my mind when I was mm. making my list, um, but I decided against including K-9 just because I, I didn't find him particularly interesting. Mm. But also, I kept thinking of the Daggett from Battlestar Galactica. Right, yeah. Remember when um, well. the little yeah. boy's dog dies after the Cylon attack? Mm, and he gets so the Daggett. He gets the Daggett, which was a robot dog. Because obviously in Battlestar Galactica, you can't have normal names like dogs for things. So yeah. he had, instead of having a robot dog, he had a robo Daggett, didn't he? And it looked horrendous. Yes. <laughs> it really did look horrendous. Mm. It was just like um, bits of like 70s tape and pipes and yeah. fur and I think it was actually played by a chimpanzee yeah I think also, it was, it was yeah. which was bizarre that was weird because yeah. the chimp would probably have looked more like a dog than, what, than the actual robot daggett yeah you'd just have a pet chimp <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but so basically that puts you off K9 as well because that, that was so bad <laughs> that was so bad it put me off K9 right yeah K9 looks a little bit more retro sci-fi-ish mm. doesn't it and it'd be pretty cool to have that going around the floor wouldn't it really? yeah so, I mean wrong. If, yeah. if K9 turned up at my doorstep tomorrow I'd probably adopt him I mean he was a very intelligent creature wasn't he he had like an encyclopedic yeah. 
uh, brain because he had a computer. He could shoot a laser from his nose or something like that, couldn't he? Uh, which Why not? Yeah. It's what you want in a dog. Yeah. <laughs> but if there was a dragon there that you could have instead... Then oh, I'd, I'd always yeah. choose the dragon. And then okay. I'd probably use the dragon to eat canine. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, um, but speaking of dogs, I think uh, one of my four categories that I grouped together was dogs. One of which was Lockjaw. Okay. Now, Lockjaw is from the Inhumans Court, is mm-hmm. uh, from by Marvel. He is super strong. He can eat anything, and the Inhumans, so Black Bolt, will use him to teleport. Okay. So they'll uh, he can go uh, to the moon, to different places on Earth. He can even transport between dimensions. <laughs> and yeah. I just thought, you know, we mentioned on. Uh, our previous Tiny Meeple's big talk about sci-fi ships, how much I'd love to have a, a ship with a transporter mm. so that I could just go wherever I wanted to go and I could visit so you places and friends with yeah. long way. And this is kind of where Lockjaw comes into it for me because he, he could take me to wherever I wanted to go and visit mm. friends and things like that. Uh, so, and I could visit o- other dimensions. Yeah. So if yeah, I had Lockjaw, I might be able to go and get my TARDIS and then go from my TARDIS to go and get my get bird of prey and yeah. get a dragon and, you know... It, again, it's kind of like the key to everything. I think if we keep doing these big talks, then we're going to find a way to get everything we ever wanted. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's it's all in the thought. Mm. Um, and then from Futurama. Yep. Do you remember Seymour? I remember Seymour, and it's very very sad. I've got Seymour on my list. You've got? Oh, I didn't know. You, uh, I didn't think you'd have Seymour. But yeah. do you remember Seymour's full name? No. His his second name was Asses. Oh right, okay, yeah. Seymour Asses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it, yeah, because of the joke, yeah, yeah. That, fry, that got played, yeah. And I just thought, you know, it would, it's going to be hard to be suffer with depression or something like that when you're having to stand outside your back door at night, going, "See more asses! I want to see more asses in here! Yeah, Get in here, see more asses!" A, yeah, doing a most tavern <laughs> yeah, joke on exactly, yourself. Yeah, night. it would yeah. just be fun. I didn't think of it because of that. It's just sci. Um, Fry just seemed to have a lot of fun with that dog, yeah. and it seemed to be a really nice dog. He could, he could sing "Walking on Sunshine" with Fry, which yeah. was his favourite song. Um, he could swim in the bolognese and eat it at the same time, yeah. and also do something else, which I assume was <laughs> urinating. But <laughs> he's a very talented dog, really. Yeah. And Fry, just don't let him in the kitchen. <laughs> Fry had a great time with him, and there was that really tragic ending where he waited for Fry for years. Twelve years or something, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, twelve years. Then he got fast fossilized in mm. dolomite, as the professor had said. But then years later, they did the um, Bender's big score, mm. the the film thing where Bender was chasing Fry through time to kill him like a Terminator, <laughs> and um, Fry hid out in the year two thousand for a while, like an older version of Fry, and he. Um, he had a whole life with Seymour, so they mm. kind of corrected Seymour's life a little yeah. bit because it was really sad. Because I think oh. when um, when Bender first, sorry, when Fryer first realised that Seymour had lived twelve years, he just assumed he'd had this happy life, and then he realised later on, didn't he, that he'd actually spent those twelve years just waiting, just for sad and waiting for Fry to come home. Yeah, well, the viewer knows that Fry yeah. never really knew that, so. That that was why everybody got so sad and like some of the on so the commentaries because of that. Yeah, the, the writers were saying that people got keep people coming up to them at uh, conventions and things going, Oh don't expect to cry into <laughs> cartoon <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, they did fix it after a while, but I think Seymour just in his own right seems like a, a great dog. He would have. be a great dog. But and he, as I say, it would be hilarious. Yeah. I've You're got, the pet from um, Futurama? 
I have one? don't have another pet. I do have two more dogs that I was thinking of. All right, I'll well, do my other future one, yep. one after you've done the dogs. Yeah, exactly. So the other one, other dog, was Koro from Akami Kill. This is from an right. anime. Okay. Um, his full name is Hecaton Kiris or something. I, I, it's unpronounceable to me. I can't pronounce his full name. But he's a, both a dog and an imperial arms. Right. Now, if you're unfamiliar with Akami Kakil, um people have these imperial arms, which are rare weapons of incredible power. Mm-hmm. And it's said that when two uh, imperial arms users fight, one of them has to die. Okay. Okay. Um, but it, but Koro was the imperial arms of a character called Seriu Ubiquitous, who was part one of the imperial police, one of the villains. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Koro was this really nice, cute little dog. Yeah. James just killed a bird, by the way. James, he just killed a bird? Yeah. See, just because is... we mentioned him earlier on. <laughs> yeah. uh, he just walks across the fence carrying a bird in his mouth. But can he kill Xenomorph? <laughs> well, he's working up to it. <laughs> Go Jonesy. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, as I was saying, yeah, Koro was a really nice, cute-looking little dog, and people used to come up to him thinking of this cute little dog. Mm. Uh, but he had a berserk mode. Right. <laughs> which he turned into this gigantic muscular beast that was absolutely enormous uh, creature that was self-repairing so you had to like find his circuit to destroy him right. and so it was incredibly hard to defeat and he can store equipment for Seriu so Seriu has uh, like weapons in her arms so she can fire from her arms and things like that okay. and she can like reach an arm into, in, into Koro and he closes his mouth down on her and when she pulls her arm back out she's changed the weapon right okay <laughs> so he's very very useful as well as being yeah. a really cute dog that sounds very anime it is very anime so, I can't make a kill it's very anime um, so unless you've got eyes that big you can't really use that <laughs> <laughs> but then there's also another Discworld character here Gaspode the wonder dog the <laughs> Now, Gaspode he appears in a number of the Discworld novels, mm. particularly with regards to uh, Sergeant Angler and uh, Captain Carrot yeah. uh, from from the Night Watch. He's a very small dog. He's managed to get just about every kind of disease going. Oh yeah! But he is brilliantly star- sarcastic. Now he's lived. And he the... can talk. That's the main thing. Oh well, yeah, and this is it. He's, he's kind of acquired for sarcasm. He spent a number of yeah. nights around sleeping around the high energy magic building because he's a street dog. Yeah. Um, and as such, his brain's been developed, so he has quite an... and I almost didn't include him because of his intelligence level. Because mm. he is a very intelligent dog. But he's still definitely um, is a dog. But he's still he? very much a dog. But he's got brilliant street smarts, and when you read him, he's. He knows mm. how to survive on He'll the streets despite being really little. People are just here, feed the dog. Yeah. <laughs> he manipulates humans. He's got what he calls the power, which means he can manipulate humans mm. um, by speaking. And because they don't expect a dog to speak, they think it's their own thoughts. Yeah, they tend to just do what he says. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, sometimes he uses that to get his own back after someone's just kicked him or something like that, or yeah. to get them to feed him, or like what a what a good little doggy. Uh, let's give him a biscuit and things nice like that. To, and to have him, yeah. and just give him a good wash and take him to the vets yeah. and give him a better life than he's had in Ankh-Morpork. But he didn't want that when when someone when uh, veterinary arranged that for him, mm. he ended up then going out. Straight, you know, bolting out the door and trying to rub, get the gate's collar off and rub mud on himself and build his mm. smell back up because he didn't want that. He, he liked living on the street, 
but he was a brilliant dog, and he even defend. He was uh, when one one book he was defending Carrot. Now this was the fifth elephant, right? Um, and Carrot had passed out in the snow because he hadn't eaten in three days, mm-hmm. and a wolf pack approach, mm-hmm. and uh, this plucky little dog tried to defend Carrot from this pack of wolves, didn't he? Oh, that's nice. And uh, you know, again, I like I like loyalty in a pet, and in in the same book, he also had a werewolf by the ghoulies, didn't he? Yes. <laughs> and for for a, a small dog, I think he's like a terrier, isn't he? Yeah, um, he seems to be described that way. Yes, yeah. from the descriptions of him, he seems to be a terrier. Uh, so he's a very little dog, but he is absolutely brilliant. And he's one of my f- favourite pets in science fiction. Hmm. Yeah, um, Gaspode is one of the ones I thought of, but I, it was the intelligence thing again, I thought. So... And that brings me on to talking about my other one from Futurama, which is Nibbler. Nibbler! Now, with the nappy. <laughs> yeah, that's an advantage. <laughs> and when he does, and what he does poop is dark matter, which is useful for your starship yep. if you have one that runs on dark matter, like the one that the professor invented. And Nibbler, he does eat a lot, but Leela seems to find enough him to eat, or like, doesn't he? He just eats a whole bowl full of that chow stuff but if uh, if you get attacked by any kind of big alien or something he would also eat them and also he is the high commander of the Nibblonian fleet as well (laughs) (laughs) but it's weird because I know we we talked about the intelligence thing but he pretends to be Mm. just a a little weird pet all the time doesn't he Um, and then he will suddenly talk he says he can't he can't just talk he can pontificate (laughs) and uh, (laughs) Yeah, tells them something important they have to do because mm. there was that one about Fry's brainwaves. You had to defend the Earth from those giant brains, didn't he? Um, and there's several other things that, that happened, but after that time, he forgot to wipe their brains. He normally wipes the brains after his talk, so then he just goes back to being a pet. But, yeah, one time he didn't do it. And, um, and then when he does talk, he's like, why aren't you... Surprised I can talk. And it's like, we well, forgot to wipe our brains last time. <laughs> it's like, well, you've just been still treating me like a pet. And it's like, well, you're just so cute. So <laughs> I think, even though Nibbler is intelligent, I think he would be a very good mm. little pet to have. Um, because it's most good. of the time he would act like that. It's good to have a pet that has their own fleet. It is, yeah. Even though their cute little ships can be defeated by hitting them with folded up chairs yeah like he said our fleet is no match for their mighty chairs they are effectively space penguins so (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's basically what's gonna happen Uh, you're not gonna expect a savage war fleet from a bunch of space penguins although i would watch that film if it was ever made (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, so that that was my other future arm one i'm sure there's a lot more there but those are the two that really stand out there yeah Mm -hmm. they decided nibbler as opposed to bingo yeah (laughs) So uh, another category I put together um, was wolves. Now wolves are my favourite creature. I absolutely mm. love wolves. Um, and there was three wolves. Well, one one wolf and two groups of wolves. One was Hopper from the Wheel of Time by uh, Robert Jordan. Okay. Now Hopper was originally a, a character. Uh, was a, a companion of a character called Alias. Um, without going into potential spoilers, he then became the companion of Perrin Ibarra from The Two Rivers. Right. Now, it's hard from this point not to go into spoilers because one of the main reasons I loved Hopper, uh, two things. First, he actually taught Perrin Mm -hmm. quite a lot. In Wheel of Time, there's the dream world. 
Mm. So the wolves have the wolf dream and uh, where all the different wolves live in their subconscious when they're asleep. Right. Uh, and also when they die, their minds continue to live in the dream world. Okay. So um, he, Hopper was a great creature. He taught Perrin how to use the dream world. He gave his life twice, once in the waking world and then later in the dream world to protect Perrin. I mean, a pet, a, pet, a pet that would die for you once is a wonderful thing. Yeah, this guy dog. died twice to protect Perrin, and okay. he taught him a lot as well. So, oh, that's nice. So, um, you know, I really like him for that reason. Then there's the Fenrisian wolves mm-hmm. from Warhammer 40,000. Okay. The wolves of Fenris, the right. space wolves. Mm-hmm. Now, there are different kinds of Fenrisian wolves. The best kind, in my mind, is the Thunder Wolves. Mm-hmm. They're like eight feet tall. They're the size of a rhino. Uh, they are taken into battle by by the Space Wolves. And if the if their master falls, they'll uh, stand and protect the body, or they'll drag them off the battlefield. Yeah. He's an incredible beast. Are they pets? Though? They are still pets. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm classing them as pets. <laughs> <laughs> And then there's the Die Wolves, which you mentioned before. And yeah. I think we were thinking of the, for the same reasons. I mean, one of the things I thought was that, you know, much like the Fenrisian Wolves, the Die Wolves are that big that you wouldn't need to carry a weapon. <laughs> you've, got a, yeah. you've got this Die Wolf to protect you, and they're, again, they're loyal. Yeah. But they do seem to die a lot. Yeah. They, they should almost be called Die Wolves. <laughs> yeah, but each kid had one. And then, yeah, as it goes along... They get less and less, don't they? It's, yeah. It gets sad. <laughs> there are fewer dire wolves in the world than there should be. More than the one in our world. Yeah. <laughs> so, what's your next one? Um, the next one is from Watchmen. Mm. And that is Bubastis. Bubastis? Yes, which yeah. is a pet of Ozymandias. And he just kind of appears on a few pages. I, um... Well... There is, I don't know if you can we'll see, put a picture yeah, in on our picture. Page. So he's just kind of walking around with him and watching these big screens of his evil plan. And I just think if you're going to be an evil mastermind, then having a creature like that would be the way to go, really. And I did think of Bubastis because he does look like mastermind. something from Egyptian mythology, doesn't he? He does, yeah, and it kind of goes well with the kind of melodramatic stuff that Ozymandias wears so yeah I just thought that was a, a pretty cool one um, and one that I may not have, have thought of at first but just with a little bit more thought thought of that um, just because it is actually a pet mm. um, not just a, a creature that we're thinking oh maybe we could domesticate or something so yeah that's one of my other ones the next one I have is from a game and it's the only one that I've got here that's from a game and it is Trico from The Last Guardian. So obviously there is um, this is in the series from Ico and the Shadow of the Colossus and then just recently The Last Guardian has come out and the Colossus uh, the Colossi would be good but I don't think they are pets at all. Matt probably would if he looked at them but um, <laughs> obviously they are absolutely massive but in The Last Guardian you are basically basically a platformer but you have this one companion with you which is like a giant dog mm. called Trico and he technically he kind of looks like he is a colossus he's not got quite as much stone on him or he doesn't seem to have any stone whereas the colossus and shadow of the colossus seem to um 
and he is, just looks like a big very cute he looks like the small kind of dog mm. that you might get but as big as a house and most of his body is feathers he's got like a mammalian face and then most of his body is feathers and he has wings he can fly a little bit he gets better at flying as you go along but what he will do is kind of defeat your enemies uh, for you once he gets used to you but the nice thing about him is he gets all riled up when he does that and um, he's kind of carried on barking and like stamping around and you have to climb up his back and stroke him to calm him down he does very much seem like a pet even though it's massive mm. so I think that would be a very useful one to have and he's just um, you do get to like him as you play the game as you go along so yeah. that's uh, yeah that was one of my other ones okay well one of my other uh, ones I had was the Falbeast. Okay. Again, this is another Lord of the Rings creature. Okay. And uh, now the Fell Beasts were rode by the Nazgul. Uh, mm-hmm. They were given to them by Sauron. And they were basically large winged creatures without feathers. They looked nothing like any kind of bird. Right. Um, but they just. There was just something really dark about them that just yeah. appealed. It's kind of like. It's probably the most metal creature on this list. <laughs> you know? You can imagine. Yeah. You can imagine like the Nazgul flying around in them really easily just by looking at them because they look like yeah. something that would be ridden around by the race. They don't look so much like dragons themselves, no. do they? They look a bit like if dragons had lived underground for a very long time. Yeah, and, and they used to not having the like sun. those pale and darker creatures. Yeah, elements and, you yeah. know they do they look, look pretty good. Gross. They are very cool things. So yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good one. Um, I'll just say the last one that's on my list. Um, it's not actually an animal, but it can be thought of as a pet. And it is from Ghost in the Shell. And it is a tachycoma. And I'm thinking particularly of in Standalone Complex, the first series, or the first gig, as they call it. Um, now, I did wonder if I could think of these, because they are very cute in that series. They've got these um, little voices, and they just have their own little community going on in the mm. Section 9 headquarters. But during that series, um, Bato does actually pick one of them to be his tachycoma. And he starts giving it this natural oil mm. rather than the synthetic oil. And that kind of causes some reaction, something to do with the chemicals of it. It makes that one tachycoma become mm. individual. And it kind of runs off one night and makes friends with this little girl and helps this little girl f- try and find her pet or something like that. And but I just end up kind of keeping that one as his pet. And I think that would be a really cool thing to have um, because they are basically weapons. And they sometimes call them think tanks because they can think for themselves a little bit. But especially in that first series, I think um, they could be considered to be pets and it would be a cool one to have. In the second series, they're all kind of networked and their brain is on a, a satellite and <laughs> their consciousness gets kind of beamed down to them. But in the first series, they're a bit more like individual little things. So even though they are robots part vehicle part weapon <laughs> um, they do seem like something that could at a stretch be thought of as a pet so yeah and that would be something that i think would be really cool well i've got one that will follow on quite nicely from that as well i think and that's the scutters from red dwarf yeah scutters uh, uses them as hands yeah so, yeah <laughs> but they often just do rude gestures behind his back yeah. <laughs> again kind of like gaspo they've got a bit of sarcasm to them a bit of wit um, yeah. They're essentially service and maintenance robots, so they're like mo- little motorized boxes with like a single limb and, and like a claw at the end of that, so they can yeah. they can do things. But I really like the scooters. They they yeah, like they've the got scooters. a lot of character to them, mm. even though they look fairly drab. 
Yeah, yeah. They're just like little normal things, but it's like what they do, isn't it? Yeah. Like sometimes they find them in the cinema or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the scutters were fun. Because mm. um, had fish, didn't he? He had Leonard and McCartney, his robot fish and stuff, but they're, they're not a, so good. There was a lot yeah, of ro- yeah. robotic things. I mean, there was a robotic toilet, wasn't there? There was like <laughs> yeah. a talking toilet in. And he had an argument with the vending machine. And the toaster! The, to- the toaster. Yeah. I didn't... But he's so annoying, though. <laughs> the toaster is incredibly annoying, but it's what's quite funny about that is that you can get into some quite interesting conversations with the toaster. Yeah, but trying no matter... to get him not to talk about toast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but no matter what you talk about, he t- manages to turn it back to toast. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's Which it. is great if you really like toast. Yeah. I don't like toast. That's why it's <laughs> not on my list. So. And it's one of the... Um, in the Red Dwarf books, um, I mean, his character has quite a lot to do, actually, which is you don't really expect. Yeah, I mean, he, he basically talks Holly into some incredibly... Um, ill-advised stuff just because Holly's so bored and only has the toast and salt yeah. so, yeah. <laughs> so it's a powerful toaster yeah it's yeah. the toaster behind the throne yeah just because he wants to find some way that he can cook loads and loads and loads of bread for you yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. so it's in many ways it's it's from a good motive mm, yeah yeah um now I've got two more left on my list yeah so the penultimate one and I did think about not including this you probably shouldn't have done that. And I, which means I probably shouldn't have done. Godzilla. That's not a pet. It Move could on. be a pet if you could domesticate it somehow, if you had a way of controlling it. Are you going to spray it? <laughs> <laughs> but I just thought, you know, it's it's uh, it's a giant lizard. Mm. It's radioactive. It shoots lasers. It is cool. There's nothing there not to like, is there? Yeah. Have it on the list of something else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure Godzilla will be on another list. But Godzilla... on every list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Godzilla was on my list. And what's the ultimate one? My, my ultimate one, the luggage from Discworld. Actually, yeah, that is good. Yeah. The luggage. Now, the luggage is sapient, made of sapient pear wood. Mm-hmm. It's effectively a chest with about 100 different legs. Mm-hmm. It's got... It's sentient... But I wouldn't necessarily describe it as particularly intelligent, like I would something like Gaspode. It doesn't talk to you. No, it just eats people. It just eat, but it eats people. <laughs> but it likes them to notice on their own. Yeah. It doesn't like if Winston's in loads of trouble, it will just uh, stand behind the person. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like you you just like them to find out on their own don't you, <laughs> that you're going to eat them. <laughs> but it's really really a, a cool cool thing though the luggage. I lo- I love the concept and it's introduced right at the beginning of the Discworld series yeah. where it's two flowers got him and he's, uh, he's got all his goods and everything as he's going on his travels uh, but also it opens up and just eats people and you, and then the next minute you open it up and the person's gone and it's just two flowers clothes and things again yeah it? and in the science of the Discworld he even he came to our planet which I think I think he plays quite a good role in that because that's the only way that they can get anything from our world into their world mm. because um, they sent Rincewind there in like the virtual reality suit and then suddenly they realise that the luggage is there paddling after them yeah. and there's and the same but you can go it's like how can it go there like it can go anywhere in space and time and it's like yeah but not that bit and it's like I don't think not that bit was in part <laughs> of it so yeah basically it will follow you anywhere yeah. with all your stuff because uh, it's kind of got infinite space inside it or something mm. hasn't it as yeah. well so yeah, that is great. I may still not consider it so much a pet. I consider it more furniture. Uh, it's, incredibly good furniture. It's it's kind of like a combination of furniture, a pet, a companion and a guard. Yeah. Because it's sort of, you can 
put your stuff in it and it goes with you. And again, that would be incredibly useful to have. Yeah, especially now we're having to pay for bags. Let me go <laughs> just imagine, <laughs> imagine they're in there in Asda or Tesco or something, yeah, yeah. and uh, or Sainsbury's, and you you you're just picking up your milk and stuff and just putting it into the luggage. You yeah. know, it would be it would be very useful. Now, a lot of what I've been trying to think of with this list mm. was how I could use it in my the real world, my real life. Yeah. The luggage would be incredibly useful, it and be. It, because it's got infinite storage space, mm. I could store all my games in there. And all my books, it would solve a lot of my storage issues. It would solve this room, yeah. Yeah, so it would be very useful. That it kind of, I was trying to think what out of the ones I'd mentioned, which one would be my ultimate first choice. Yeah. And it kind of came down to like a, a tie in many ways between Lockjaw for his teleportation abilities, yeah, Gaspode because he's great, and the luggage for his storage issues. I think. Following on from my previous Tiny Meeple's Big Talk, mm. if I had my ship, Gasbode would be the one I'd want to have with me. Okay. We're going to kind of build up a fantasy world yeah. as we go along here. <laughs> so I'm going to have my t- my uh, Klingon Bird of Prey with my TARDIS uh, inside it and Gasbode running around. I and the luggage would yeah. be a great card in that situation. Yeah, it would be better, yeah. I think... Um, what would be your number one? Out of my yours? number one... Well, if you're going with that kind of thing, then I'll... I think I'd go with the Tachikoma for my number one, just because yeah. you can ride around in it and stuff. Um, it's a good choice. Yeah, so we've been a little bit loose with what we would call a pet, and we might need to establish a few rules when we do this <laughs> in the future. But we still have no to keep rules. it. No, we still have to keep it pretty loose because it's a bit more fun to find out when we're actually having this discussion. <laughs> It's like, like, what did Matt think when we came up with this? So, yeah. <laughs> what did he think we were talking about? <laughs> so yeah, that is. And I would say that I've I've not really looked at these and chosen with the thought of my evil plans being at the forefront because otherwise no. that would have been probably one of the dragons. But they've always got to fit in with the evil plans, otherwise you can't really imagine them as a pet. I think Gaspode might be a little bit afraid of my evil plans, and Lockjaw would probably try and stop me. Yeah. Whereas I can I can definitely see the the luggage joining in somehow. He would just do whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think he really minds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think he would. So yeah, that is our favourite pets from sci-fi and fantasy. So I hope that has been very informative and will help you in your daily life. And when you're next going into the pet store and choosing a pet, maybe think about about this list. See what they've got. If nothing else, it would be really interesting if a load of people were going into pet stores and asking for a tachikoma or saying, excuse me, have you got a foul beast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully some good can come of this. Well, this is it. We we try to be good in a meddlesome way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Meddlesome. Farewell, Quester. To find out about other productions by the Meddlesome Meeples, then check out our channel or rendezvous with us at meddlesomemeeples.com. Until next time, Quester, farewell and keep thine axe sharp.